Well, good morning. Welcome to church. We stand with me. Jesus, we welcome you into this place. Be glorified. We pray. Amen. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my dream till I met you. I was breathing. Alive. All my failures I tried to hide. The old man too. Till I met you. You called my name. I went out that way.
is with us. He is for us. God is love. Isn't it beautiful?
Jesus, we praise you. We praise you, Father. We praise you, Son. We praise you, Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, for the way that you've created us to worship you. I thank you, Son, Jesus, for the way that you came and you died for us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have been sent to guide us and to teach us and to lead us into the way of truth. What a beautiful, beautiful triune God you are. And so we come to you today. Some of us coming off great weeks, some of us coming off horrible weeks, some of us coming off health, some of us coming off sickness, but all of us in need of something fresh today. Yesterday's blessings aren't good enough. We need your presence here right now. We need your spirit right now. So Jesus, will you pour your spirit over this place and over our hearts and may everything that's said and done glorify you. We pray this in your name. Good morning, good morning. Wow. You guys are looking great this morning. I mean, every Sunday morning you guys are looking great, but, you know, uh, some of you guys, not everybody, but, you know, most of the, most of the crowd. Uh, you know, if you guys don't know, uh, you know, I got my Hope Dealer, uh, you know, shirt on today. And if some of you guys have been coming here for a while, you know that there, you feel like there's more and more people wearing this shirt. And I was gifted this shirt last week. Uh, you know, Ray came to me and 
you know, in, in a way, what happened was, because, you know, this, this shirt is a part of actually a bigger ministry of Broken Change, which is a motorcycle gang for Jesus. And, um, and you know, I'm not in the group, but I feel like I got jumped in, you know. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, Ray hits hard. Ray, raise your hand real quick for a second. Ray hits hard, okay? So it's real. No, I'm just kidding. No, I didn't get jumped in, guys. And, uh, but, you know, thank you so much for, uh, you know, I got the text this week saying, hey, guys, we're in our shirt. Jason, of course, didn't want to wear his, but he's got a great shirt on, by the way, though. Um, but I'm reminded as, I, as, as I'm not the only one here, you know, wearing this Hope Dealer shirt. Uh, again, that we're not alone. We don't serve God alone. And I feel like that's such, that's something that we need to grasp as Christian people is that God did not intend for us to take care of it on our own. There might be a struggle that you're dealing with right now in your life or whatever the case is, or maybe you can recall a time in your life where you were going through something and you thought to yourself, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. I got myself in this mess. I'll take care of it myself. But I want to explain something to you. One time I was in a moment in my life where I told somebody, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. And you know what he told me? It's something that stick with me for the rest of my life. He said, Justin, if the most important thing Jesus ever did was to carry that cross and die on it, and he himself needed help carrying his cross, when Jesus was on the way carrying his cross, he himself needed help carrying that cross. He said, who do you think you are that you don't need help? And that's what I say to you this morning, church, as we come to this time of passing the peace with one another, where we practice not only being at peace with God, but being at peace with one another, realizing that we serve God with a community of people. Who do you think you are to think that you could take care of this all by yourself? And so may I be the first to tell you this morning, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Go and pass that peace with one another.
Well, welcome everybody. Hate to interrupt the party. Boo. All right. I don't know if you could hear my little guy back there. He was saying donut, donut, because someone ruined it this morning and brought the good donuts instead of the donuts that dad usually brings. So thanks for nothing. I appreciate it. Uh, all right. We got a few announcements. First is these connect cards. Uh, first thing is, uh, you know, you see your name, address, email, social security, everything. Just put it right there for us to use. And then um, I'm trying to figure it It says try five. I think it's a, you try five different types of donut, and then you get a, your sixth one is a special one that we'll make, something like that, right? All right but you can um, just, if you're new, visiting, put your info on there so we can stay connected if you want to. But this is also the easiest and maybe fastest way for us to get prayer requests so that we can add them to our prayer chain. Um, and if you want to write love letters or mean notes on the back, you can hand those in as well. All right. Nobody laughed at that. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. I appreciate it. All right. We've got There's something wrong with you, man. All right. We've got... <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've got this... Uh, uh, we've got half a million people that we are gathering hopefully as the Church of Nazarene globally gathers to pray. And I just found out this morning, uh, Pastor Garrett said, there is an, actually an app. I think you discovered it on accident, right? I didn't even know it. So there's an app to stay updated. Um, it, all kinds of good info. So, But we are trying to gather globally to prayer through Pentecost. Pentecost being uh, the time when Jesus ascended to heaven and the spirit was given, and, and that's one of my favorite. It's not a real holiday, but it's one of my favorite uh, celebration times. I'm looking forward to that. But anyway, join with us in that. Uh, you can ask Pastor Garen more if you want to know more about the app or, or what exactly we're doing with that. And then we've got, well, my wife, she's out with the little guy. This is one of her favorite words on earth, potluck. Anybody here not like potlucks? I want to I single you out. Raise your hand. Okay, good. So we are going to start potlucks first Sunday of every month at noon. I'm excited. Those are always good. And I always say this is the best time if you want to experiment with a dish. The best time to bring it, just don't put your name on it. But you will know how good it was by if there's leftovers or not. So great time. I'm looking forward to that. So first Sunday of every month at noon. If you don't want to bring something can't bring something, can't afford it, don't worry about it. Show up. There will always be extra. We will always make sure there's enough. <clears throat> well, we're going to move to a time of, of offering. Uh, this time in life right now, it's like, man, it's hard to give right now. Things are expensive and getting more expensive. But I go back to uh, a different way of saying offering, and that is sacrifice. Now, thankfully, we're not doing the whole sacrificing baby lambs and goats and stuff like we used to. Some of you might, but we don't do that officially here. Um, but we still sacrifice for the good of others, which is good for all of us. That's what offering is, giving an offering. There's the monetary offerings that help keep some of the ministries here going. And as you all are encountering and I'm encountering, there are people in society right now that are really struggling. And our offerings can be a help towards that. But I want to challenge you to look at your life, 
as a living sacrifice. And we hate that word sacrifice, right? So how about this? As a living offering to others. God can use us in ways that we never dreamed of to change this world for His purposes. Things you never dreamed of. If you ever want to get together and talk about how God can use you in ways that you want to be used, in ways that you've been told you're not allowed to be used, find me. We will destroy that right away. God, God wants to use you in ways that he wants to use you, and don't let somebody or some organization tell you that you can't. So we are called to be living offerings, and the best experiences of my entire life are when God called me to serve others in his name. So let's pray now. As we give, both not just monetarily, but with our time, our talents, our purposes. Let's pray as, uh, that God would bless that. Father, we come to you. We praise you, first of all, for loving us, for you being that sacrifice for us and then conquering death. And now that we've seen that, we know that anything is possible for you, God. So take our gifts, not just those that come out of our wallet, Lord, but the talents you've given us, the time that you've given us, the work that you've given us, the relationships, and might we use those as offerings just to serve you, Lord, that we want to see your kingdom come and that through you this place might be made whole again. We praise you, Father, and we look forward to your work. Amen. If I haven't met you yet, I am the loud talker. <laughs> Wait, we might need to lower that a little. Is it, is it too loud? Did you say yes? <laughs> All right, maybe lower it a little bit. My name is Garen, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it is my uh, honor and joy to, to serve alongside, oh man, some crazy guys and some crazy gals, and I'm, I'm thankful that you allow me to join you in this journey as we try to usher in the kingdom of heaven here on earth as he would have it be. So this past week, Jen and I, oh, y'all pray for us. Jen and I started going car shopping because our daughter turns 16 today. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you clap, I'm like stressing out. Uh, so we've been searching for a new or a new-to-us car, and 
It's been, um, man, it's been a headache. So here's what I'm noticing. So many of the cars that we look at online look beautiful. And then you get there, and it's like, what on earth? How, like, how did you Photoshop this? Because it looks horrible. Like, the outside looks great, and then you, like, lift the hood, or you look inside and look at the, the rips in the seats, or the, the hoses that aren't even connected in the engine, and you start to think, oh my goodness, looks great on the outside, horrible on the inside. Right? Has anyone ever been there? The outside looks fine. From the outside, nothing's wrong. From the outside, it's like, I could drive that. From the outside, it's like, yeah, that'll be a safe, fun car for my daughter. And then on the inside, things are broken. Things are ripped. Things are messed up. Things look differently. So two weeks ago, Angela came to practice. Was it two weeks ago? Something like that. And she was telling me about her car. She was telling me that she had been feeling poorly for just a couple of weeks. She didn't know why. And then Matt was in the car with her, and he started smelling something and noticing that something wasn't right. And so he decided that he was going to investigate. And what they found was that the battery was leaking. And they think that fumes were getting into the car, making Angela feel sick. Now, on the outside, the car looked fine. Uh, On the outside, nothing looked like it was wrong. On the outside, it looked like a normal car. But on the inside, things were broken. Things were messed up. Things were leaking. And fumes that you don't see on the outside were hurting Angela on the inside. All right, I'm coming on. Keep me going. Keep me going. So I used to live in Texas. The Lone Star State. Yeehaw! And I can tell none of y'all are from Texas because if I would have said that and someone would have been from Texas, they would have started clapping. So just like if I said, I used to live in Michigan. Except I didn't. But I know a lot of y'all do did. So I used to live in Texas. Texas has some amazingly beautiful lakes. I mean, just gorgeous. And they look pristine. And they're just, oh. But there are always things that scare me about lakes in Texas. And I'm not talking about the cottonmouth snakes or the water moccasins or the alligator snapping turtles or the carnivorous walleye fish. It's a carnivorous fish. Okay, I am a little worried about that, but what really scares me is that living in many of these pristine, beautiful, just picturesque lakes is a bacteria called Nagleria fowleri. It's found in Texas, and it's found in a couple of other places, but here's what it is. It's an amoeba that when you are in the water can enter in through your ears or your nose or your eyes, And it is a bacteria that literally will start eating your brain. It's highly dangerous and highly fatal. And you don't even know that you've got it until it's too late. 
So inside these bodies of water, they're beautiful on the outside. They look like Hallmark cards. And then on the inside, there's this deadly, something deadly floating around that you don't even realize is in there. You can't see them. You can't feel them. You can even be playing around in them, having a great time, not even realizing that they could already be killing, killing you from the inside out because of what's in them that nobody else can see. So today, we continue in Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to read the first two verses, and then we're going to read a parallel passage uh, in Luke. But Matthew 6, verses 1 and 2 says, Watch out! Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogue and streets and calling attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. And if you'll remember that phrase, they have received all the reward they will ever get. That's a phrase that Jesus repeats when he's talking about giving and praying and fasting or sacrificing. And we talked about the motive in which things are done is as important as the actions that are done. Talked about that last week. So there's a passage in Luke, and it's Luke chapter 11, and in this passage there are a lot of things that you would see in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus talking about light. Jesus talking about us. uh, He talks about the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11. And in Luke 11, verse 37 to 41, we read this. As Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So he went in and took his place at the table. The host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. Then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees, you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but the the inside filthy. You're full of greed and wickedness. Fools! Didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor and you will be clean all over. Jesus, I pray that you will help us to find the threads that are running through these passages and these examples so that you can receive glory and so that we can be changed. We pray this in your name. Amen. So we have this situation where Jesus is being invited into the Pharisee's home. And I love the fact that Jesus is always willing to go share a meal. My kind of guy. So Jesus is going into the Pharisee's home. And the Pharisees would be, the Pharisee would most likely be the type of person that Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 6. Where they are doing all the right things. They're keeping all 600 plus laws. And they are letting everybody know that they are keeping all of the laws. And so they would be the ones that Jesus is talking about. Oh my goodness, you give. And it's like, you know, it's like the, uh, like the Ed McMahon check. It's like, I'm not just giving, I'm giving a lot. And Jesus is saying, you Pharisees, the show isn't what it's about. You can give all you want, and if your heart is wrong, your heart is wrong. 
You look like everything's good on the outside. You're keeping all the rules. You're keeping all the laws. You're observing the Sabbath. You're going to synagogue. You're doing everything that God's required of you. And on the outside, it looks great. But on the inside, uh, your motives are filthy. Your only concern is looking good to others and making sure that others know how righteous you are. And so I love this. In this passage in Luke, Jesus gives a living, breathing, walking example of what he's talking about. He walks into the room, he sits down at the house, and he begins to eat. And he doesn't do any of these rituals that everyone would know is what you do. This would have been a huge misstep for Jesus if he didn't have a purpose. I mean, we all know that you got germs and bacteria. That even pre-COVID, we always knew, wash your hands, use soap, sing the ABC song because you don't want to get the flu or you don't want to get whatever. We've known for a long time that there are things that you can't see that can hurt you, and so there, we do what we can to eliminate it. Now, Chances are that a lot of the laws that were given to them in the Old Testament were laws for their benefit, even if they didn't understand the purpose behind them. And so, a lot of scholars say this ritual, this cleaning, was honestly God's way of saying, there's a way to do things. You don't know about certain things that I know about, and so I want you to do this. And so there were these rituals that were meant to help them spiritually and physically. So the religious people would have known that cleanliness is next to godliness. Even if they didn't understand the reason. And they would have observed these rules sort of out of love for God, but really out of piety. Because they knew that if I do these things in front of other people, they'll see how good I am. And the more good things they see me doing, the closer they'll think I am to God. And I want to look like I'm close to God. And so they kept all these rules and they missed the point of the law while they were observing the law. Because at their root, the laws of God are about identity. I belong to God. And I obey God because I am His. I don't obey them out of what I get out of them. I obey them because my identity is found in God. And so when God asks me to do something, I do it. I'm His. I'm not my own. I'm God's child. I'm God's chosen. I am a royal priesthood. We could say it a dozen different ways in the Bible. But it was this identity that I am not my own. I live for someone else. There is a higher purpose to my life, and it's not about bringing glory and attention to me. It's about bringing glory and attention to the one I love and the one I serve. And the religious people had reduced all of these actions down to how good it makes me look and who is seeing that. Instead of, I do them and I make myself pure because I love God. And Jesus is saying, ah, your outside looks fine. 
You're, you're doing it all. Good job. From the outside, nothing looks wrong, but you have contaminants floating around in your cup. Clean the inside of the cup. Because if you clean the inside, the outside will be clean as well. So the question today, what may be floating inside of you and me that's harming us? What may be floating inside of us that if left unchecked and eradicated could ultimately hurt us or separate us or kill us? I want you to ask God that right now. And it could be anything. It, it could be a lack of giving. It could be a lack of prayer. It could be a lack of fasting or sacrificing. Those are the three that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 6. Those are three non-negotiables. If you are a follower of God, you are doing those three things in some way. And if the gospel that you're living doesn't have you doing those at the bare minimum, then you're following a counterfeit gospel. Because Jesus is a giver. Jesus is about communion. Jesus is about sacrifice and giving. What's floating around in our lives that's hurting us? It could be lust. It could be anger. We were talking about that this morning. I have road rage. It's something that I constantly have to be skimming and cleaning my life because if I don't take care of my road rage, it leads to other kinds of anger and it will eat me alive if I'm not mindful and if I don't surrender. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's the green-eyed monster and you're, you're just envious of what everyone else has and how good everyone else has it. Is there something in your life that if left unchecked will eat you alive on the inside no matter how good you look on the outside? Maybe it's judging others. Maybe it's this feeling of superiority that you have. Well, at least I'm not like whoever. Let's be honest. 2020, 21, and 22 have shown us that we still have race issues. Maybe it's racism. Maybe it's just the very fact that you are more than happy labeling others so that you can put them in their own little box and you can figure them all out without actually getting to know them and getting to love them and getting to connect to them. So you can say, you're like that and I'm not, so we're different. Which is not at all Jesus. It's my prayer that God is speaking to you right now. Maybe identifying something that you need to get rid of. 
something that you need to surrender so that it doesn't contaminate you. Okay, that's individual. Let's talk collectively, corporately. Are there things in the church? Big C. That we are allowing to poison us from the inside. And if left unchecked or eradicated, will either destroy the church at worst, well, maybe not even at worst, will either destroy the church or at the bare minimum destroy our witness and make us ineffective disciplers or ineffective Christ followers or ineffective evangelists telling others about Jesus. Maybe one of the problems for the church is this inward focus. Jason talked about it a couple of weeks ago, um, how we expect everyone to come to us. If you're in, we'll like you, but we're not going to bring you in, and we're not going to take who we have to you. So we have this inward focus, and we circle the wagons, and as long as you're in our church or in our denomination, or as long as you claim the name Christian, we're good. But I'm not going to reach out to anyone that's not labeled that way. Sometimes I wonder if one of the things that's floating around in our cup as a church, big church, is self-entitlement. We know Jesus. We're saved. We're good. We're going to cruise through life and we're going to enjoy all the blessings. Pastor Nip better not say anything that makes us angry or we'll go to the church down the street. We have this self-entitled gospel that creates chaos in churches all over the world because it becomes less about plugging in and serving and worshiping with a community and it becomes more about a smorgasbord. I like this. I like that. I don't like that. And which church offers me the best meal? Because I'm self-entitled. Which makes a group of people that are self-entitled makes a church self-entitled. Here's one that's going to step on toes. I worry that in North America... One of the things floating around in our cup is Christian nationalism. Hear me out. There are many of us that are more concerned with our rights as Americans than we are with reaching people for the lost and for the sake of Christ. Again, big picture. I'm not pointing fingers here, but if the Holy Spirit does, we've got to deal with it. There are many of us that don't say I'm an American Christian with what I am is Christian and I live in America, so I'm an American Christian. Instead, we say I'm a Christian American. I'm an American and I just happen to go to church. Those two words 
very important the order in which we live our lives. I love my country. I'm thankful for those that serve and fight and sacrifice and give. But I am Christian. And I live in America. I'm an American Christian. And if we aren't careful, the North American church will get caught up in something that we were never called to get caught up just by flipping two words around. Because we forget our identity. Our identity is Christian. Our identity is we belong to God. We are His. That's what it's about. The passage in Matthew, the passage in Luke are all about the seed of our identity. So we have to decide, are we going to do what we do and slap a Christian bumper sticker on the back of it and say we're good? More concerned with how we look on the outside and how our church is perceived in our community and how we're perceived in our neighborhood and we're absolutely fine living that way, not taking inventory of our inside? Or... Are we going to find that our identity is in Christ and say, okay, if I belong to you, that means I'm not the owner of me anymore. And so you get to say how I live and where I go and what I say and how I behave and who I communicate with. You're the one that's in charge because I belong to you. You reign. I follow. Will we allow ourselves to be cleansed and cleaned from the inside out? Because when the inside is clean, the outside will follow. It makes me think of, in the Old Testament, there's a story. King David, man after God's own heart, has an affair, murders someone, and then tries to cover everything up. And the prophet of God, Nathan, comes to him and he confronts him on it. And the king of Israel has every right to say, shut your mouth, lead my courts, take his life. The king has a lot of rights. And yet what we see in the passage instead is somebody who says, oh my word. I look like the king that everybody wants, but my inside has this bacteria that's eating me alive. And David falls before Nathan and he prays. And this is what he says in Psalm 51. Purify me from my sins and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Some of your Bibles in Psalm 51 will say, purify me with the hyssop. And what that was, was that was a branch and they would dip it in the blood and the sacrifice and they would sprinkle it on the person that's praying. And what that was showing was, just as the blood is covering me on the outside, the blood is covering me on the inside. The outside, yes, is showing that I am repentant, but really what's happening is the inside work. That's what David was saying in that place. So let's talk about the thread that runs through all this. We're looking for a car. Angela's car. The lakes in in Texas with those horrible, horrible amigos. The passage in Matthew. The passage in Luke. 
here's what it comes down to. If Jen and I become stagnant in our searching for a cause, we're going to end up settling for something that looks good on the outside but isn't good on the inside. Had Matt noticed that something didn't smell right in the cabin of the car and he said, ah, it's probably nothing, that just happens, and he had been stagnant and not gone on and explored even farther, Angela could have still been getting sick. If the Pharisees hadn't become stagnant with their faith, finding their identity in their good works, trumpeting all that they're doing, and instead, had they found that following God is better than showing others what you're doing, their inside could have been as pure as their outside looked. Do you know what the biggest contributor is to finding the Negleria Fowlery bacteria in the lakes in Texas is stagnancy. It can't survive in moving water. It breeds in warm water that's not moving, that's not flowing, that's not going anywhere. It's just sitting there doing nothing looking pretty on the outside. That's where this deadly bacteria hits hardest. Are we being stagnant? If we're simply concerned with doing the right things and saying the right words and going to the right places because it brings attention and praise to us, we love hearing the praise and the applause of other people and we want everyone to know, well, I did that and I did that and it may have been behind the scenes but it's going to be in front of everyone's mind because I'm going to tell everyone about it. If we live like that, then we are living spiritually stagnant lives, allowing the very thing that it will kill us to thrive in us. We need to turn to God. We need to find that our true identity is in God and God alone. God alone can clean us from the inside. And when we're clean on the inside, our natural response and the overflow will naturally be action and doing what God wants and living the way God wants and being... See, if you get the order in the right order... It works itself out. If I'm more concerned with the outside and I don't worry about the inside, it usually stops with me fixing the outside. But if I will turn to God and say, God, change me from the inside, that naturally overflows and the outside gets taken care of as well. It's all about what you focus on and where you flip your attention. We are Christ's. We are His. We are living in Him, and He gets the glory because we belong to Him. So today, we all have a choice. Isn't that the good news? There's always a choice for us. We get to choose today how we will respond. So let me ask, is there stagnancy in your life? If there is, let me give you some simple steps. 
You need to talk to God. You need to pray. You need to confess what it is that you feel you're being stagnant on. And then you need to repent, which is just a fancy word for saying, God, will you, will you forgive me? I want to turn away from that. And God's forgiveness will clean you. I'll tell you right now, that's the best option. The other option is you can rationalize what you're doing. And there's always a way to rationalize it. And you can say, I'm good enough. I'm better than. At least I don't. Which will actually verify that you have stagnant sin living in your life. Because the kingdom of heaven doesn't rationalize. The kingdom of heaven purifies. The kingdom of heaven isn't stagnant. The kingdom of heaven is always flowing. Will you allow the life-giving spirit to flow through you? Cleansing you, not just on the outside, but on the inside. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to pray. No music, no video, no nothing. I'm going to pray. I encourage you, if God is speaking to you, Find a posture of prayer. For some of you, it will be sitting in your seats. I'll tell you, for me, the most effective way for me to humble myself and to get right with God is I come to the altar. There's something about my physical posture that helps me with my spiritual posture. For some of you, you say, I'm too old, I can't do that. But maybe you could stand where you are and say, okay, God, I'm just doing something different to show you that I really want something different. I want more of you. I want to be cleansed. I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want this stuff growing in me anymore. I want you to eradicate it because only you can. And so I'm giving you all of me and I'm giving you permission to transform whatever it is in me that needs to be transformed. So we're going to pray. I'm going to give you about 10 seconds to do what you need to do. And then we're going to pray. Jesus, I have not liked the lesson this week because you have used it as a mirror to show me a lot of areas in my life where I'm just putting on a a nice face because I'm more concerned with how others perceive me or my family or the church than I am truly growing closer to you. So I confess and I ask that you will forgive me. And I thank you that even just as I do that, you are already forgiving me because you are a God of forgiveness and you are the one that is just anxiously waiting on me to just come to you. And so I thank you. And God, I know that there are others in this room that are being confronted with the truth of your spirit. I pray for freedom today. I pray that anything that is stagnant in our lives will begin to move and flow through the power of your spirit. I pray that anything that is growing inside us that is killing us, you'll eradicate. 
that you will kill. And we know that you can do it because on the cross you conquered sin. And so anything that is in us, you are more than capable of conquering. And so I pray that you will forgive us. I thank you that you are a God that not only is willing to offer forgiveness if we come to you, but your spirit is seeking us out. It's this prevenient grace that's always going before us. And even before I preached a single word today, your spirit was moving in people's hearts, telling them to come to church, telling them to tune in online, telling them to listen to what's being said. Your spirit was working long before I ever even wrote down what I was going to say because your spirit is always working in our lives. And if we are willing to move into the flow, this eternal current You can purify us and you can cleanse us and you can make us you can make us everything that we're called to be. And I know that you have so much more for us than even our greatest ambitions and dreams. So I pray that you'll be with us. I pray that you'll help us to be honest about where we are and I pray that you'll help us to confess and I pray that you'll help us to turn and that as we get up, as we lift our heads, as we sit down in our seats, as we leave this place, that our lives will be different and that your spirit will be speaking to us. And the next time one of those things arises, whether it's lust or greed or anger or stinginess or not wanting to pray or whatever it is, God, I pray that your spirit will say, hey, hey, don't be stagnant. And I pray that we will respond again and again and again with, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Those are two of the most difficult words to say because we're independent people that want our own ways. But if we'll just learn to say, yes, Lord, they are also two of the most liberating words we will ever utter. Jesus, we're yours. You gave your life for us. We will surely give our lives and live for you thank you that when you returned to the Father, you sent an advocate that you said was even able to do greater things than you did. And Jesus, you did a lot. And so we're going to believe you when you tell us through the New Testament that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever think or imagine. We're going to believe it and we're going to stop dreaming small And we're going to start dreaming big. And we're going to stop holding things back. But we're going to totally surrender everything to you and just see how you move. We're going to become people that are so saturated with your spirit that anybody that's around us kind of gets the Holy Spirit splashed all over them. And that's what you've called us to be. That's what we're called to do as we go and make disciples. So Jesus, I pray that you'll help us to live our lives day in, day out for you. We can only do it through the power of your spirit and thank you that you've already provided it. So we pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful that we... I'm thankful every week we come to the table. It's not our table. It's his table. So if you're visiting with us, if you're not a member, that's okay. This table is all who, for all who are seeking Jesus and longing to know him more. Which means we don't police a table that's not ours. And if your desire is to come and take that step, 
it's for you. So we're going to try something a little different. I was talking with Ken. We're sanitizing up, just in case y'all didn't see that. We've gone back to receiving the elements. And I love that because we all come to the table. And I think there's something very real in that symbolism. But I was talking with Ken and he said, we love that, but we hate that we don't all eat together. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. We're going to open up the table and invite you to come and get the elements and take them back to your seats. And then we'll all take them together. Just like when we were, if we were sitting at a Thanksgiving table and we all dished up and then we, we all eat together. So I'm going to invite you to come and get the elements and then we'll do the liturgy afterwards. So as you are able, um, Justin and I would love to serve you. For guidance, I encourage you to come around this way just so that we don't have a messed up people running into everyone. So if you want to come to the middle and work your way back to your seats and then we'll all take together. On the night that our Lord was to be betrayed. Ah, I hate that word. We all know what it's like to feel betrayed, don't we? It makes me, well, it makes me angry. And yet Jesus in that moment, knowing what was about to happen, still conveyed love and allowed everyone a seat at the table. Even the ones that would eventually put into motion his death. And so he held up the bread and he lifted it up and he broke it. And he said, this bread represents my body, which will soon be broken for you. Take, eat, and be thankful. the upper room saltine. That's good. It's a lot better than those other wafers, isn't it? Sorry. Then at the right time, he lifted up the cup. And he held it up, and I, I don't know the last time I've held up the cup and haven't thought about how much this looks like 
blood that will be spilled. And he held it up, and in the ultimate act of obedience, had a moment where it would have been very easy for him to be stagnant and say, I'm not ready to do this. Jesus willingly gave, and he held up the cup, and he said, this represents my blood, which will be shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Take, drink, and be thankful. We thank you, God. I'm thankful that you allow us to come to your table. It's the most important part of our service. Because some of us don't sing and some of us do sing. Some of us don't pray. Some of us do pray. Some of us listen to the sermon. Some of us fall asleep during the sermon. Some of us give. Some of us don't. But we all are welcome at the table. This is the time when in unity our church says we are yours. I pray that you'll be with us in this coming week. Stagnancy is so much easier than movement. Keeping up with the Joneses, as difficult as it is, it's so much easier than not worrying about what other people say and just following you and finding our identity in you. Jesus, this week, may we live our lives on mission for you, and may we move where your spirit moves. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, it's been good to see you. Will you stand with me? We're going to sing our benediction. If you're visiting with us, you can just receive it. If you know it, sing it with us. Um, Sing with me. We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Go this week through the movement of God's Spirit. We'll see you next Sunday.